with a new degree. It's me, Brendan Bennett, your host. And uh, tonight's episode is called Stars at War. Uh, this is for our Star Wars themed show, but I had to do a d- different show that wasn't about Star Wars. So this is about stars, and it's about wars, and sometimes it's about stars at war, but it's never about Star Wars. So, uh, yeah. Um, I think I think I think we'll just get into it. So let's uh, let's meet our teams first of all, starting over here. Uh, hello, my name's Dan Bain. I'm the artistic director of the Court Jesters, also writer and director of uh, kids shows and whatnot. And I don't like fighting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great, great. If everyone could just weigh in on their stance on fighting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Laura Borodale. I'm the editor of Aetia Erotica, um, a project that's taken over my life and my Google results. Um, <laughs> which will only be a problem if I need a new job since I've just quit my current one. Um, I love fighting. I'm all about conflict. So. <laughs> yeah, it may make it seem that, that Laura and I uh, have nothing in common in that case, but we both um, generate material for perverts to masturbate to. <laughs> in your kids' shows? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so... Um, I, was, I was expecting you to say something like, make love, not war, that kind of thing, but no. No. No, okay. Uh, so together you have formed a team. What is your team called? Win some and lose some. <laughs> yeah, you come up with better. He does like fighting. Yep, that, that team name was apparently the comedy equivalent of the Somme. <laughs> um, all right, thank you. Thank some you. people like it. Yeah, yeah, I'm here all night. You hate to see this shit. Okay, great. Winning them over. And uh, on the other team, we have... My name's Andrew Keppel. I'm an animator for the TV show The Barefoot Bandits. And that's by day and by night. I'm a stargazing, peace-loving hippie. All right, thank you. Uh, my name's Henry Nellis. Uh, I'm an improviser and a radiographer. Um, by day, I'm a radiographer. Um, <laughs> and by night, I sit in bed and watch Netflix alone. I, right. I, it's, it's great. So you when you try it, um, do you like quit your job every every evening? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I walk into my boss's desk, slam down my resignation, and come back to work the next day. All right. Together, you are serious actors. Serious <laughs> actors, and we know you from context. <laughs> we know from context that this is a Star reference and not a Harry Potter reference. Great. Okay. Um, so, uh, oh, we are also uh, lucky enough to be joined by our scorekeeper, Karen Healy. How are you doing, Karen? I'm doing great, Brendan. I'm hoping today to live up to my very Harry Potter uh, status as the Hermione Granger of the nerd degree. Yes. She's the real star of the Harry Potter books. Yes, I've, I've asked Karen to be a scorekeeper because uh, when she's in the audience, she answers the questions anyway. <laughs> All right, uh, so our first round uh, is the homework round. I have assigned uh, each of the, uh, the players a homework task of writing their own fan fiction that must be themed around either war or stars in some way. Um, so uh, we're going to, you're going to read those out, and then our fan fiction expert, Karen Healy, is going to assign them scores. 
so uh, let's start with Dan. <laughs> Great. Okay, well, I've done a deep cut on um, the fall of the Berlin Wall slash the defence of the wall in Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, always best to start with the hardest niche. Good. <clears throat> Lord Commander Gorbachev looked down over the wall to the milling hordes below. At the head of the teeming morass stood the Knight Kennedy. His dread lieutenants Hasselhoff, Bowie and Springsteen flanking him. <laughs> An unholy chanting rose from the mass, floating up to the black-cloaked night's watchman, shivering atop the wall. Harold Yeager turned to Gorbachev. My lord, what is it they chant? Listen, said the Lord Commander, and perhaps the wind turned at just the right moment, but the chant suddenly became audible. Ich bin ein Berliner. Ich bin ein Berliner. They shivered to hear it. And the old commander was reminded of that cruel night not so long ago and the prophecy that had oozed forth from the actor clown Reagan of Ronald. <laughs> Gorbachev opened this gate. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. He had laughed then. It no longer seemed funny. Gorbachev turned to Jaeger, sent to the citadel. Capitalism is coming. Then <laughs> vain. <laughs> So in that in that context, uh, Kennedy is Mance Raider, is that right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I guess it kind of works. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Laura, your fan fiction. Oh, so um, I'm now extremely nervous. I hadn't realised that I was going to be performing this. Um, so I took this slightly differently to to Dan. My stars are two of the biggest pop stars I could think of who have an actual conflict, who are actually at war with each other, uh, Taylor Swift and Katy Perry. Um, (laughs) And I've gone and set them in a rap battle, uh, which I now have to (laughs) (laughs) deliver. Uh, Dan's promised me some sick Oh, was I going to give you a fat beat? Yeah, Yeah, but I don't think we'll have the same beat, so let's just... (laughs) 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 Right, big breath. Okay, so Taylor Swift begins. I'm Taylor Swift, America's darling. It's a battle of stars, but you know that I'm brighter. You're a blank space baby, a lover, not a fighter. What's the cause of your fame? Russell Brand and big tits. I've got far more going on without leveraging my bits. I hear your little roar, but all I say is, any more? And Katie responds. I am a champion, a real California girl. Come up to my level and I'll make your head twirl. Yeah, we've got some bad blood, but at least my music's not gossip. I kissed a girl and I thought that I liked it. But I don't need no girl gang, now that I've got Orlando and his (coughs) extremely well-photographed wang. (laughs) Taylor, I can shake it off. Katie, I'm the one in control. I might play dumb, but I know exactly what I'm doing. And your candy-coated lyrics leave us all spewing. And Katie finishes with... Fine, fresh, fierce, I've got it on lock. I don't need to play dumb, you can tell that I'm not. So hear me roar. Roar! That was was probably the most genteel rap battle I've ever heard. I can't do it! (laughs) I just spent all afternoon lying in bed watching rap battles to try and psych myself. (laughs) (laughs) It totally worked, it totally worked. Um, thank you very much. All right, uh, Andrew, could you read yours? Yes. 
actually wrote a whole book for this, but I've had to squash it down. Just, g- just give us an excerpt from okay. it. Yep. <clears throat> Rapidly deteriorating relations between the owls and the heffalumps had reduced the hundred-acre wood to the hundred-crater wasteland. <laughs> it's a good thing we built this fallout shelter this morning, said Piglet. <laughs> yes, yes, said Pooh. We were lucky to find that convenient pile of twigs near Eeyore's fallout shelter for us to build ours with. Pooh, said Piglet, did you actually see Eeyore's fallout shelter? No, said Pooh. Do you suppose that the pile of twigs we found perhaps was Eeyore's fallout shelter? (laughs) Said Piglet. Oh, bother, said Pooh. End of the road, said a voice from outside. Nothing to do, continued the thing that was once Eeyore, as it pushed aside the twigs of the shelter with its radioactive disintegrating limbs and peered inside, hungrily sizing up Pooh and Piglet. And no hope of things getting better. <laughs> that was from Z for Zachary Eeyore. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine Winnie the Pooh getting trapped in like the, the entrance to the fallout shelter and everyone has to try and pull him through. <laughs> Henry. Um, so my fan fiction, um, for those of you that uh, listened to last year's episode on stars and or wars, uh, will know of my childhood star, uh, Susie Cato, um, <laughs> the uh, television presenter of uh, Kids TV. And so I've written a fanfic about her. Um, but, you know, not all wars are fought on the battlefield. Some are wars of information that are fought, you know, in, in, in secret government sites. So this is, um, this is Zero Dark 330. <laughs> Special Agent Cato entered the interrogation room and greeted the lone suspect. The suspect had vital information but wouldn't say a word. What he didn't know is that Special Agent Cato has a way of making people talk. She was the best agent in TV3's 1999 3.30 to 4pm time slot for four years running. Hello, my friend. Kiora. Talofa, she said. She unplugged the security cameras. It's our special... Time of day. (laughs) She said, placing her tools on the table. It's our time. Just me and you together. She said, extracting the suspect's tooth. The suspect screamed, help! Help! But alas, no one on this world would help him. Because now... He was in Susie's world. <laughs> Henry Nellis. <laughs> All right, uh, Karen, uh, you've uh, read a lot of fan fiction in your time. What do you make of those? Well, there wasn't enough sexual tension. <laughs> <laughs> but apart from that, I was very impressed by the range of genres on display. Um, You know, there were no real losers on the day. It was a very high standard. Uh, I have to give props to uh, Laura for her incredible rap. I cannot wait for Lin-Manuel Miranda to uh, revitalise the the revolutionary war between Katie and Taylor. Uh, Taylor's going to win. I felt the historical fantasy crossover that Dan presented was also really excellent. Uh, Deeply felt, deeply, deeply human. 
Uh, but I, I really have to say that the winners on the day were Andrew and Henry for ruining my childhood completely. <laughs> <laughs> Serious actors! If you guys don't mind, I actually wrote one as well. <laughs> um, I'd, like to, I'd like to just read an extract from my, my crossover fan fiction for um, Biggles and the Wiggles. <laughs> The smoke from the artillery barrage cleared, and Biggles clambered back to his feet. Come on, Jeff, old chum. We'd best get back to our big red biplane. Captain Feather Bayonet will be on the move. Biggles shook his friend by the shoulder. Jeff? Wake up, Jeff! (laughs) But Jeff would never wake up again. Okay, uh, let's go straight into the nerd quotient round. Uh, I will be asking the teams trivia questions uh, that will be related in some way to either wars or stars. So, uh, the first question I have uh, is, how did a fart kill 10,000 people? I don't know about 10,000, but I did read a story about this dude that killed his wife because he dutched oven dirt. Um, and you think he got married 10,000 times. And then never learnt from his mistakes. Oh, so it wasn't, an, it wasn't murder by Dutch oven, it was an accidental manslaughter yeah, by Dutch oven. It was manslaughter, yeah, yeah. He didn't realise until he lifted up the covers and she wasn't moving. Um, yeah. Google it. Did he have glad wrap for sheets? <laughs> Uh, so I've uh, I, again. I don't know about ten thousand people, but um, there's that one fairly recently about uh, the surg- uh, someone was doing bowel correct bowel surgery with like a doing laser incision. It released methane gas, and then the a laser ignited it and actually set fire to the patient. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Wow. So um, that seemed funnier in my head, <laughs> but I guess now that I say you it had out to loud, be it's there. terrific. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's not that's not how ten thousand so people this, were killed. Was it the fart that killed them, or did it start a trigger of events that maybe escalated oh. into ten thousand people? Oh, yeah, died? I guess I guess you could say something like that. Yeah. Okay. Franz Ferdinand was killed by farts. <laughs> And that uh, triggered the events of, of a the war, war was started by a fart. Yes, uh, this is uh, so. This is according to the historian Herodotus. Um, uh, it's a fart started a war, uh, a revolt against uh, the king of Egypt. Uh, he describes it. Uh, Josephus describes it thusly: an irreverent Roman soldier lowered his pants, bent over, and to quote, spoke such words as you might expect upon such a posture. <laughs> Uh, the incident caused a riot which led to the deaths of 10,000 people. <laughs> so, wow. watch yourselves. <laughs> Next question. Which star is perfectly happy with no brains and no blood? Andrew. Uh, I was going to say Watson, the supercomputer, but I guess it sort of has a brain, doesn't it? It's a, pretty much all brain, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no blood, though. Any actual star, like a celestial body, would have no brains and no... Yeah, I guess that's technically true. I don't think they'd be happy, though. Trump after murdered by vampires. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I have to give you a point for that. Uh, it's not what I'm thinking. Um, it's a star. Oh, a starfish. They don't have brains or blood. 
Correct. Yes. What do they have instead? They have... Does anyone know what they have instead of blood? Semen. (laughs) Karen did ask us to up the sexual tension. Yes. (laughs) Um, They... It's working, right? I like how it's ejaculating on a starfish is your idea of sexual tension. In in the starfish. starfish. Oh, well, they... Starfish can change sex at will. Is that because they have no blood and no brain? They're just... (laughs) Um, they they pump seawater through their bodies. So close. To... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so great. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty close. Pretty close. Okay. Uh, what connects these three things? I think we got that point. Mm. Yeah. What connects these three things? A wooden bucket, a pig, and six hundred thousand pesos worth of pastries. Some kind of sexual tension. <laughs> May may have been (laughs) a wooden bucket, a pig, and six hundred thousand pesos worth of pastries. Do we have what sort of exchange rate are we working on for the pesos? Uh, Well, this would have been in oh about eighteen twenty eight that that was relevant. Oh, okay. (laughs) An an empty bucket. Uh, it, It was a wooden bucket that presumably was emptied. If it had things in it, it wasn't the contents that was important. How, I mean, what might these three things have in common? Something to do with a war, I'm guessing, rather than a star. Well, good, good deduction from the... Uh... <laughs> uh, there was an accident. <laughs> <laughs> now you have to give an answer, Dan. Yeah, well, uh, so the answer is um, clearly they're, they're all uh, things that are buried in my backyard. <laughs> they're all things that were fought over. People squabbled over these things. And, they, they, and are had all, arguments and they are all things that caused wars. Oh. So uh, in 1325, the city-states of Modena and Bologna uh, spiralled out of a, uh, a war ban from Modena, raided Bologna and stole a wooden bucket. <laughs> uh, and they declared war to get it back. Um, they fought a war for 12 years, but never got the bucket back. And it is still on display in the bell tower in Modena. <laughs> Those dicks. Why did they want the bucket? Maybe it was like their good bucket. <laughs> Couldn't they just buy another bucket and tell the people, we got the bucket back, <laughs> like my parents did with goldfish? <laughs> Aww. That, I mean, I think that would have been cheaper than 12 years of war, mm, yes. Mm. Um, the uh, So a war started between the... British and Americans when a British infantryman shot a pig that was wandering on American soil, uh, which caused a war in 1859. And uh, the only casualty of that war was the pig. (laughs) Um, And finally, uh, angry mobs destroyed uh, large parts of Mexico City, including a French pastry uh, chef's uh, pastries. Uh, he petitioned for uh, reparations, and on his behalf, uh, the King of France declared war. <laughs> awesome. So uh, that's what connected them. Speaking of wars, uh, how long was the longest war in history? Or what can you tell me about the longest war in history? Uh, so it's the the Hundred Year War, which is not actually even a hundred years. It's longer or shorter. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's just colloquially known as the Hundred Year War. And Isn't that I feel one of those on-again, off-again wars that sort of took breaks every now and then and came back to So it? the longest continuous war was significantly longer than the Hundred Years' War. It was 335 years. I can't, be- I can't believe I've been wrong at one of these answers. Uh, so this was a war fought between the Netherlands and the Isle of Scilly, uh, which is located off the southwest coast of Great Britain. Um, they declared war in 1651, and then everyone forgot about it. Uh, because they are not that close and... So uh, they, someone remembered in 1986 and they signed a peace treaty. Uh, uh, how long do you think the shortest war was? An afternoon. Less. Oh. A minute? 40 minutes for the war between the United Kingdom and Zanzibar in 1896. Did they declare war and then almost immediately bring out the peace paper? The British declared war and then um, used their warships to... Uh, uh, bombard uh, Zanzibar uh, until they surrendered 40 minutes later. Um, the uh, Sultan's forces from Zanzibar uh, suffered about 500 casualties and uh, the British had one sailor injured. Probably because if you do it during war, it's just it's, it's war, it happens, but if you don't declare war, you're just being an asshole. So they probably need... Know, looking at history, that hasn't seemed to bother them at other times. <laughs> okay, uh, who lost the Great Emu War? Emus. The, <laughs> the Australians lost the great emu. Andrew is correct. Yes. Yes. Do, you actually, do you actually know about the great emu war? Yeah, they were the emus were like out of control or something, so they sent in the army to get rid of them, and the army got thoroughly trashed by it. <laughs> yeah, so um, the, the army uh, deployed uh, a force of soldiers armed with two Lewis machine guns and 10,000 rounds of ammunition, uh, but shooting blindly into a group of birds, which can run up to 50 kilometres an hour, um, didn't really do much. The birds simply ran away, even after being hit by machine gun rounds. So um, only a handful of the 20,000 birds were actually killed, and the Australian army was forced to withdraw. (laughs) Uh, They're still there. The emus are still there, Um, unless they, I don't know, poisoned them or something. Uh, That brings us to the end of the nerd quotient round. Karen, what are the scores? Well, Brendan, win some, lose some, have a very creditable six. And uh, serious actors have ten. All right, round of applause for serious actors. This next question, can anyone tell me which city has the most Michelin three-star restaurants? So uh, three stars from the Michelin Guide means it's exceptional cuisine worthy of a special journey. So which, uh, which city do you think has the most? Paris. Paris is in second place. Oh. Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> Just think, not good readers. Um, is, it, no? is it physically the number of stars or is it per, per restaurant? Or? Uh, so this is, I'm counting three-star restaurants. like your peso... Uh, <laughs> So well, you can't, the for, right? for, the, for this case, you can't combine a two-star and a one-star together. <laughs> I'm just looking at three-star restaurants. New York? New York only has two. Oh, no, sorry. New York has six. Paris has ten. Uh, I'm looking down the list rather than up the list. Yeah, uh, there's a place that has 14. Hmm. London. London only has two. Oh, I'm getting worse. Hmm. Vegas. Vegas? No, 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 nowhere else in America really uh, merits, but... Tokyo is correct. Tokyo has 14. Oh, wow. 
Uh, so it goes we'll Tokyo. Take, we'll take that one. Mm. That's I it. guess they were They're on your on side. Of the audience. Um, <laughs> so Tokyo has 14, Paris has 10, and third place Kyoto. Uh, so Japan caming it. Smashing it. Yeah. Um, so that, that brings us into our next round, which is Lone Star Reviews. In this round, Karen is going to be joined by uh, expert voice actor Jeff Clark. And um, the two of them are going to read. One star reviews of famous books from Amazon. Uh, when these are actual, actual uh, one star reviews, and then you are going to tell me what book is being reviewed. So they're all books that are considered classics, and you will tell me uh, which one it is. So are we ready? Take it away. This book is rubbish by Elaine Quist. It sucks balls and it's hard to read. There should be pictures and bigger writing. Also, if you're under 15, then you will never understand it. One star. (laughs) Great expectations. Great expectations? No, I think you had two great expectations of that reviewer. It was Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. (laughs) Well, I think they must have heard it, because I think they do an illustrated version now. Yeah, the movie. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. All right, can we have the next one, please? The Letdown of the Millennium by Mr. L. Wright. Answer me this. Can you read a book where the author describes a twig for five pages? If no, don't bother. If the answer is yes, then enjoy. To me, utterly awful, leaving a truly bitter taste in my mouth. One star. Okay, I think Andrew got in first. It wouldn't be Lord of the Rings, would it? No, no, although you're actually, you've got most of the title. Uh, oh, Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies is correct. Yeah, I, I don't remember six pages describing a twig, but yeah, that was why. I, like, I got a bit confused because I thought it was like um, the big book of twig descriptions. <laughs> <laughs> that classic taste line. Uh, let's have the next one. My rabbit could have written a better by Darren. Watership down. <laughs> <laughs> no. Damn it. Load of rubbish. My rabbit could have written a better book. One star. <laughs> no, I mean, not a lot of information to go on. No. Um. Stig of the dump. <laughs> no, uh, it was, of course, 1984. <laughs> Which is, it's well within a rabbit's wheelhouse, I think we'll all agree. <laughs> Next review. Difficult to read by Poppy Jameson. The plot barely exists, and to find it you have to carefully examine every sentence. It's an exhausting read with no reward. One star. Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Uh, No. The Um, Luminaries. (laughs) No. Is it pounded in the butt by the pounds to (laughs) it? A Chuck Tingle classic. No one would ever give a Chuck Tingle book a one-star review. Um, no, uh, no. I, actually, bizarrely, I thought you were going to be closest. You started with the right letter. It was, of course, Pride and Prejudice. Next review. Not that great. Sorry to go against the grain and be an individual, but I've just finished it and it wasn't that good. 
Every time it looks like getting exciting, they run and hide. Nothing major happens. Ever. I was really disappointed. One star. Henry? Uh, the t- Twilight Saga? <laughs> um, no, although we agree that that certainly should have five stars. Hmm. It's kind of a clue. This, this, the, so nothing ever happens because they always run away. And it's also one that you've answered for every other question. <laughs> Lord of the Rings? Correct. <laughs> Next one. Oh, wait, I think I what? wrote that review. <laughs> Bad book. This book is a bad book. It's very scary, gives you nightmares, I would not get it. I got it once and won't next time. <laughs> One star. Where the wild things are? <laughs> I goosebumps, reader beware, you choose the scare. Good guess. 1984? No, no. There was, of course, Treasure Island. <laughs> um, yeah. Actually, uh, Karen, I believe you mentioned one, one more uh, one-star review that you read. Uh, could you share that one as well? Oh, yes, this is a local Kiwi classic. So I'm paraphrasing slightly here, but somebody reviewed Michael King's The Penguin History of New Zealand with absolutely outrageous, contains no mention of penguins. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that brings us to the end of the uh, Lone Star Reviews round. Now it is your turn. Here's, what, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you uh, something that is genuinely thought quite positively of. I'd like you to ring in and give a one-star review of it. First thing I would like a one-star review of is the sun. <laughs> Too hot. <laughs> I got burnt. One star. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, Literally. Uh, cats. No plot to speak of. <laughs> what is a rum tum tugger? One star. Figuratively. Fickle species. Confusing with the belly. One star. <laughs> Alright, I'd like a one-star review of sandwiches, just as a concept. Damaged in the post. <laughs> one star would not buy again. That's a, that was a problem with my mail order sandwich business. Um, I'd like a review of gravity. One star. It really brings you down, man. Uh, oh, uh, hard to show off to my friends. One star. Uh, a one-star review of rainbows. No actual pot of gold. Wildly disappointing. Several colours not visible on the colour spectrum. One star. Uh, and finally, uh, a one-star review of the concept of free will. <laughs> I hate making decisions. One star. <laughs> All right. Uh, Give them a round of applause, everyone. All right. uh, So, uh, Karen, that brings us to the end of the Lone Star Review round. What are the scores? Well, the audience is sitting on two points. (laughs) (laughs) Serious Aliens have 14. 
and surging from behind, win some, lose some, now have 16 points. Oh, win some, lose some. Okay, let's play a quick round. I have a different one, but I'm not doing it right now. Tension. <laughs> let's play a quick round of more or less. Uh, in this, I will ask, I will give you two things, and you tell me which one is more and which one is less. So, is there more bacteria in your gut or stars in the Milky Way? Henry. I don't know how to answer more or less, but um, I think it's bacteria in the gut. So you're saying more bacteria, more, more in, the bacteria gut. in the gut? Yes. There are 1,000 times more bacteria in your gut than there are stars in the Milky Way. Uh, less. There are less stars in the Milky Way <laughs> than bacteria in the gut. And I think there should be fewer mm. rather than less. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Three Who's points. Whose team are you on? So oh. I'm an English teacher, so it's a scorekeeper. <laughs> So, the next question in the more or fewer round. <laughs> it depends on what you're talking about. <laughs> Are there more uh, stars in the universe or words that have been spoken in all of human history? Not individual words, but... Just, yeah, count every single time someone has said a word. Maybe we don't know. <laughs> this is based on our best estimates for both answers. I'll go with words spoken then. There are more stars in the universe than words oh. have ever been spoken by all humans who have ever lived. That's intense. <laughs> yeah, just sit and think about that. Next time, stare at the stars and think about that. So you're saying there are more stars. Even if we gave every word that we ever said as a name for the stars, we'd still have nameless stars. Correct. That's a really great way of putting it. And, oh. yeah. Even if you, what, but what if you named every bacteria in your gut? <laughs> uh, you'd be, I, th- I think you'd be all right because that was... Uh, well, there's the galaxy. There's the Milky Way. There's the Milky Way. Yeah. Okay, are there more people who have been to space ever or more people who climbed... Mount Everest last year. Everest last year, surely, was more. That was a very weird way to phrase that. Surely there were more people last year who climbed Mount Everest than went to space. Correct. Fewer people have ever been in space (laughs) than climbed Mount Everest last year. Uh, That brings us to the end of the more or less round. Uh, So, uh, Karen, what are the scores? Um, Due to Laura's diligence... Uh, Win Some, Lose Some is now sitting on 22 points. Serious Aliens is on, wait, maths, 17. And the audience is on two. Pick it up. (laughs) See, I always say, like, it's it's really nice to give audience point, but then they really trail behind. (laughs) It's embarrassing. This next round is called Total Remake. Uh, In this, I would like each team to pitch me a sci-fi remake of uh, an existing book or movie or story, uh, but I would like you to base your remake only on the title. So let's see. Uh, serious actors, uh, I'll let you guys go first on this one. I would like you to uh, tell me what your remake would be for The Fault in Our Stars. <laughs> Well, that one's probably going to be in a space opera genre, I think. I see a spaceship. It's on course for a distant star, but it's not going to get there because 
left is a fault. <laughs> a fault line right. causing fractures in the time space and, mm-hmm. and cosmic radiation uh, leaks through and jumps out at, at random points throughout space. Yeah, these strange anomalies are sending the ship all over the place and not quite where it's going but to different times and spaces. And if the, 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 the ships reach that point where they have the whole colony with them, do they continue to this fractured star mm. with, with, you know, maybe they can get something or do they turn back to the, to the exploding sun that they left? Right, and they find that the star itself is not just one, but it's multiple possible stars and all the people on board are different possible people. Mm. <laughs> what would be the byline for this, uh, this uh, movie? The fault in our start. Like, maybe shouldn't they have ever gone? <laughs> Great. It's I mean, internal thinking. Um, you win some. You are going to reboot The War of the Roses. Well, we're envisioning a, um, a future where uh, John Wyndham's Triffids have evolved and. Um, <laughs> Split into two warring houses one red, one white. Lancaster and York. <laughs> they're now flowering. Yes. Um, and they are going to battle over the last of um, the human slaves that they have captured. I see. And the, what would be the byline for this one? <coughs> um, <laughs> s- something smells fishy. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense when you see the, the fish plot line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to go with something like... Two households, both alike in shrubbery. <laughs> oh. I was trying to do like now is the winter of our discontent, but I hadn't m- mentioned like grapes, <laughs> so it made no sense. All right, we'll cut I, this out in post. Nope, <laughs> I'll leave it all in. Um, so by default, uh, that one goes to serious actors for their uh, Fault in Our Stars remake. Uh, so well done, uh, serious actors. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Because it's your fault. Yeah. That's what I mean by default. <laughs> it's default of Dan Bain. <laughs> so that I'll cut out. <laughs> um, all right, uh, we're about to move into the final round. Karen, where do the scores sit? Exactly tied. Both teams are on 22. All God right. Dan. Then this oh, sorry, last, sorry. This last round will be for 0.1 of a point. <laughs> uh, so um, this final round is going to be the debate round um, and is going to be on the topic of Santa Claus not existing. Spoilers. <laughs> now, since Santa doesn't exist... I would like the teams to suggest a fictional character who could step into his fictional shoes and take over Christmas duties. I've got, so, a, I've got a question. Yes? I know that it's nearly Christmas time, but um, it, how, what does this have to do with stars or... Wars? Star on top of the Christmas tree. Mm. Ah. <laughs> He's in. <laughs> in a weird twist of fate. Like, I'm not convinced at all by that answer. <laughs> Brendan has anticipated his guests being dicks. <laughs> Dan! You said you didn't like fighting. I was just asking. I was wondering if there was some snappy backstory. It's but, like, it's but like no. Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> and there we go. All right. So um, here's how it's going to work. Uh, I want you to ring in and suggest... Who, uh, who would be a good replacement and why? After we've had a few suggestions, I want you to pick your number one choice, pitch it to the audience, and then they will choose who they want to take over as Santa Claus. 
serious actors, who do you suggest? We suggest Big Brother. <laughs> From 1984. <laughs> well, just the general idea of Big Brother that might be out there that people... Why would, would that be good for Santa? <laughs> uh, because it has more power than Santa Claus. So there's, you know, Santa doesn't exist and that's a big problem. But Big Brother is watching everyone and also the other thing about Big Brother is that it's Big Brother it's family mm. like who's Santa he's just some guy. and I mean what I can take from watching reality television such as Big Brother uh, is that you know he sees you when you're sleeping he knows when you're awake he knows when you've snuck off with that girl to the pool house um, he knows everything about you which is I think what a, what a real impartial Santa needs you did write that review of 1984, didn't you? <laughs> um, okay, Big Brother, thank you. Uh, what, what do you guys suggest, Winsome? Well, first of all, before we go any further, we'd like to say that in kind of fictional, supernatural kind of characters, uh, there should be more female characters. So um, our first pitch, uh, Hermione Granger for Santa Claus. Um, Why? uh, Well, diligence, ability to maintain lists in kind of spreadsheet, spread scroll. Time management? Time management, time and and time time turning management to obviously cover the Christmas Eve dilemma of how do you deliver so many presents. She's got lots of helpers. Elves? Dobby? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, she's got her Gen- own elves. Genuine right? elves. Which so. she has no problem with making them work, right? That was, that was, that ho- that was her whole plot line. That's, that's how it I will remember. be a, like a fair trade Christmas. Like, oh. It'll be an ethical Christmas production thing. Hmm. Okay, Sirius, do you guys have another suggestion? Um, well, we were thinking about, you know, who do you want for Christmas? Who, you know, sorry, who would you want as Father Christmas? Hmm. And if you have the T-1000, um, <laughs> whatever you want Father Christmas to be... Will, will happen. You know? The T-1000 can be anything. Yeah, he can morph into any shape he wants. He can come down the chimney or through the key in your door if you don't, keyhole in your door if you don't have a chimney. So. Exactly, yeah. So he, he can come up with kind of all, all What kind things. of gifts is he going to be handing out? Uh, like a crowbar. <laughs> <laughs> and a sledgehammer. Just to name a few. Um, yeah, what kids don't want that kind of stuff? Yeah. Okay, great, great. Win some. Uh, we'd just like to, generally, we're, we're, we're wanting, uh, Hermione is a, a good option, but also um, we're wanting, su- su- if we're needing supernaturally powered women, we would like to just suggest witches, for starters. <laughs> and in particular, I think we're kind of going along the lines of bad jelly at the moment. Um, she's really she's really into small children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Uh, she has a giant sack. Exactly. Uh, s- s- similar to kind of existing property that's already in place. So that's, that's she just flies. Flies. Obviously, because this is necessary to get around the world on that time. Speed. Uh, and much like uh, the secular Santa Claus has been replacing Jesus at Christmas, Bad Jelly is not scared to try and scratch God's eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then on the theme of, of, of witches and the fact that bad jelly is into children, well, um, we've kind of picked the witch that children are into her, and that's, of course, Elsa from Frozen, uh, who's already well acclimatised to, to, to move into the, um, uh, the Christmas residence, um, if you will. The yeah, and she can create, create her own minions out of snow and ice as well to help her. So that's true. There's all the elves and sweatshop labour taken care of. Exactly. Yeah. OK, uh, let's have one more uh, from Winsome. Uh, well, some people want to go, uh, like, obviously, Santa kind of evolved from uh, St. Nicholas, so we've got kind of some classical illusions. We'd like to suggest uh, Pandora, who has the box 
of all evil in the world. The fun stuff. The uh, uh, I.e. the fun stuff. And, uh, I mean, if capitalism and consumerism is the root of all evil, then instead of getting that out of a sack, why not just get it straight from the box of... the infinite box of the evil of the world. <laughs> she has a lot to give. A lot. Um, particularly coal-based. <laughs> coal-based? Uh, yeah, uh, so some parts of this don't hold up. Well, I'm, 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 you know, Father Christmas is there to give good presents to good people and bad presents to bad people, right? So Pandora is just there to judge us all very negatively mm. at Christmas time. Okay, yeah. all right. Uh, so, uh, unless you guys have any urgent uh, additions to make, I've uh, got one. Oh, oh okay. All of them from the box. Chris Evans in a hat. <laughs> <laughs> Just a hat. This is literally your answer to everything, Karen. <laughs> um, all right, so I would like uh, each team to pick their best choice, pitch it one final pitch to the audience, and then they will pick who will become the new Santa Claus. We would like to put forward our first candidate, Hermione Granger. As a poss- thank you very much. Yep. Um, as a uh, replacement, Father Christmas. That's right. I mean, she has all the all, all the necessary skills, as we've already pointed out. Plus, um, a, a love for uh, the unfortunates and minorities, like house elves and gingers. <laughs> <laughs> all right, strong case for Winsome. Uh, serious. Uh, we're going with the T one thousand because. Um, He's a good, impartial, robotic sort of character, mm-hmm. but we do know that Terminators can be turned to the side of good, so he can be reprogrammed to be good for kids as well as, uh, yeah. you know, not just bad. That's true. They release an update for them every year, um, so Christmas is always new. Um, you know, he's just had the Windows 10 update, so he's got rid of that, 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 uh, that tab screen that some of the children found frightening and difficult to use. <laughs> Myself included. Yeah, and he doesn't want to kill Sarah Connor or anyone related to her anymore. So. Mm. All right, so audience, it is now up to you to decide who will be our new Santa Claus, whether it is the T-1000 or Hermione Granger. <laughs> That classic matchup. Um, so, uh, please applaud if you think it should be the T1000. Or Hermione Granger. Brendan oh. Liner is a, a real pitch differential in the, the chair. In there. That's, that's, a good, that's a good point. Um, uh, well, it's very, very close. It's very, very close. Uh, so I am going to give it to <laughs> Oh, oh, then I then I remembered all the terrible puns Dan made. So uh, it goes to serious actors. Hey, something smells fishy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, That is all the time we have. Thank you so much for coming along. Good night. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Uh, So it's about Christmas time. If you would like to perform a Christmas miracle, uh, you could go onto iTunes and rate and review us uh, because that really helps in getting other people to listen to our podcast. So that would be awesome. Uh, 
Anyway, we'll see you next time on our episode 2016 in review.